Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you for that, musicians. Singers, we do appreciate you this morning. If you have your Bibles, beloved, I want you to turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 6. The... Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Book of Proverbs, chapter 6, and we're going to look together there in the Word of God. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 6. Over the last two weeks, there has been uh, nothing but news and talk over Tiger Woods and the numerous adulterous affairs that this man has had. Two weeks ago, this past Friday, news came out. What everybody had thought at first was just Tiger had gotten into a wreck just not too far from his house, happened about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. Reports had been coming out that his wife, uh, uh, Elin, had gone out to help him and found him stuck in the car, unconscious, and had used one of his golf clubs to try and free him. But then as the news and the investigations began to bring forth more information, found out that that really wasn't the entire truth. Because what it really allegedly had happened was that Elon had found on Tiger Woods' telephone, or cell phone rather, a text to one of his mistresses. And uh, many are speculating that it culminated into a fight and they're thinking that what happened is his wife went off on him. Instead of trying to use that golf club to save him, was trying to drive him about 90 yards. This man didn't have an affair with one other woman. Not even two. Or three. But up to right now that they know of, there are 12 women that have come forth and have said that I have had an extramarital affair with Tiger Woods. They published the texts that were on the cell phone. And uh, they're too nasty to quote over a pulpit. But I will tell you this, that two women in these affairs, one said that he paid me $600 to sleep with him one night, and one of them said he paid me $15,000 to sleep for one night. Yesterday, which was actually Friday, he came out and said that he's indefinitely going to be leaving golf because he needs to try and repair his home and family. He has a two-year-old daughter, has a 10-month-old son. And this morning, beloved, I want to preach to you about adultery. Not because I'm thrilled to preach this. Not because, you know what, I get a high off of preaching on this subject. But I'm going to tell you something, that what our generation is being slapped with Again and again and again, no matter how much they try to clean up adultery, 
is that it doesn't matter how you portray yourself in public. Whatever you're doing privately is going to come out in public one day. See, we have a whole generation that thinks it shouldn't bother anybody what I do personally as long as I'm productive outwardly. But what we're seeing, beloved, is that ultimately who you are in private is going to come out in the public. Now, our generation doesn't like to use the word adultery. We want to use something a little bit more inviting, so we call it finding my true soulmate. We call it part-time lover. Stevie Wonder used to sing a song called Part-Time Lover. We're just friends who meet for lunch. It's consensual sex. We both agree. Do you know that even in some circles it's called the Clintonian distinction? I didn't make that up. But how many know it's still called adultery in God's book? And I want to preach to you about this subject because, listen to me, my aim in preaching on adultery is not to glorify it. My aim in preaching about adultery this morning is not so that I can open up a can of worms. That I'm trying to pick at old wounds that have happened. Listen to me. What's under the blood is under the blood. And I believe that. But I am preaching this to warn you. To warn you. Don't fall to the sin of adultery. Don't commit this sin because this sin, beloved, I want to tell you, will destroy your family, will destroy your walk with God. It will destroy, the Bible says, your own soul. You need to avoid it. You need to run from it. You need to hate it. I want to preach to you on the truth about adultery, and I want to expose what adultery really is all about. And I want to look at Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23, down through verse 35. The Bible says these words, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law a light. Reproof of instructions are the way of life, to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress, do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. People do not despise a thief. If, he, if he, he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving, yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold that he might give up, give up all the substance of his house. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor will he get, and his reproach will not be wiped away. For jealousy is a husband's fury. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will accept no recompense, nor will he be appeased, though you give him many gifts. Let's pray, beloved, and ask for God to help us this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you help us, God, to understand the consequences of this sin. 
Lord, that you would bring deliverance of mind and of heart and spirit from the spirit of this generation, which is an adulterous generation. That God adultery is not to be glorified. It is not to be envied. Uh, it is not even, Father God, to be uh, God uh, envied in the eyes of your people. But Lord Jesus, tonight help us this evening gain an understanding of the truth uh, behind this sin. That we may be warned and admonished. And I pray you help me to preach with all authority. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. And amen. I want to preach to you, beloved, about the truth of adultery and let's look first of all at the deception of adultery because the text that is before us speaks very plainly and very clearly about this issue it says here in verse 32 that whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding the new international version says that he lacks judgment the living bible says that he is an utter fool and the Amplified Version says that he has no sense. And so, beloved, it doesn't take a Bible theologian. You don't have to go to seminary for four years to figure out what the Bible is trying to say here. He is saying that anyone who commits adultery is not slick. He is not smart. He is not a stud or a victim. Anyone who commits adultery is deceived. They are deceived. They are lacking sense. They are foolish to the lowest degree. Because listen to me, they have deceived themselves. They have allowed themselves to be deceived into thinking that adultery is going to be this great, wonderful, fulfilling thing that they need. Because, beloved, I want to tell you this evening, we live in a day and age where if you're not guarding your heart, not guarding your mind, yes, not guarding your eyes, you will be deceived. The Bible tells us, Simply these words in verse 27. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can a man actually think that he can take fire into his chest and he thinks he's not going to be burned? Can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be burned or his feet not be seared? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife, for whoever touches her shall not be innocent. That you're a fool. You've got to be crazy to think that you can hold fire, play with fire, and it's not going to burn you. That you can walk in places that you know you would not be walking, and it's not going to affect you or you're not going to fall. You know, we live in a generation, beloved, that's been called the obese generation. I want to tell you, we're not obese just on food. We've become obese on sex. Self-indulgence and self-gratification has been elevated to a right. There are people that they really, their whole life is, I have a right to be happy, man. I'm not happy. I'm not happy, and so therefore I'm going to do what makes me happy, and it may be wrong, but it sure feels right. And if loving you is wrong, then baby, I don't want to be right. Adultery is always portrayed on TV and movies, music and magazines as the cure to your unsatisfied marriage. I don't know if any of you heard, they're going to be pulling the plug. I think it's on a soap opera called As the World Turns. 
They're going to finally cancel that show. You ask me, they ought to cancel every stinking soap opera. And telenovela. Some of you ladies need to get delivered from that, man. Because all they show are these steamy love scenes. The guy's got long hair and he's more sensitive than she is. And while her husband is this ranchero, mean, nasty, caballero. Here's, man, this pirate stud who's going to come whisk her away and take her away. As I said, this ridiculous, I'm looking for my soulmate. That's what I need. I need my I married the wrong woman. I married, I need to find my soulmate. The deception is that being married to one person is boring. You've been married to one person? For how long? Man, that's boring. You should get on Facebook. You should get on MySpace and let the whole world see the goods that you've got. Your marriage life, oh man, your sex life's not good. You need Viagra, Vato. You need Levitra. No, 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 try Cialis. And of course for the Christians, let's go on eHarmony.com. You need somebody younger. You need somebody more adventurous, more romantic. Don't you miss the chase? Marriage is so boring. But listen to what God says. God says in Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Let me shock you this morning. God created sex. And let me even shock you even more. God created sex to be pleasurable. That it is to be something that is to be in every man and in every woman for another man, for another woman of the opposite sex. <laughs> you got to clarify that today. God says, I created sex. I don't mind you having sex or expressing yourself sexually, but it is to be within the boundaries of marriage no more. That when God looks, beloved, at a married couple and they go into their marriage bed, I want to tell you something. God is not there. Oh my God, just stop. Be holy. No, beloved. God says, that's exactly the way I want it to be. God says, you're to do this in marriage. Common law is not marriage. We've been living for seven years. State of Texas says we're married. God says something different. Listen to me. You could be living together, have several children together, share your income taxes together. It doesn't make you married. Common law is not marriage. And let me make it clear, beloved, because the Bible makes it clear that God is not messing with adulterers. God is not messing with fornicators. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. 
that God says, I'm not messing with this. You may have wiped, you may have cleaned it up, you may have candy coated it, but I'm still going to judge this. Because that is not how I intended it to be. When you got married, what were the vows? Keeping yourself for that person, for better, for worse, for, which, for richer, for poorer, till death do you part. I'm keeping myself for you, my wife. I'm keeping myself for you, my husband. Nobody else is going to see what you're going to see. Nobody else is going to get what you're going to get. Till death do us part. See, this is a vow that you spoke before God. And God heard those vows, beloved, and he takes them seriously. Why is adultery so deceiving? Well, for one reason is that people really do believe, I can look, I just don't touch. It's okay to look. It's okay, you know, I, I, there's nothing wrong with looking, come on. As long as I don't touch, you're deceiving yourself. One woman writes and says, my 42-year-old husband has this annoying habit ever since I met him, and you still married him. So I should be used to it by now. But in the beginning, it's beginning to really bother me because he's humiliating himself. We have a great relationship except for one thing. He has a habit of ogling pretty girls all the time. Even when I'm right beside him. When I was in school, we'd say, este vato. I have been a good sport for years, just rolling my eyes. But now when he looks at a teenager or a college girl, he comes across as a dirty old man. He comes across as a dirty old man? No, he is a dirty old man. I've asked him to stop, but he just laughs. Listen, you have no business looking at anybody else who's not your wife. You have no business looking at anybody else who's not your wife. The fact is that men are more susceptible to adultery if they're constantly filling their eyes with junk. And listen to me, wife, before you think, oh, get him, Pastor. Listen to me. Woe to the wife. Woe to the wife who thinks to herself, as long as I'm there to see him, it's okay. As long as he does it in front of me, that's all that matters. Don't believe it. Several years ago, I remember back in, I think it was about 2004, this place called Hooters opened up in McAllen. Hooters is a disgusting place. You have no business going in there. I was amazed, though, driving to church one day and seeing the sign grand opening and all these men in line walk, getting ready to walk into Hooters. But it wasn't just men. I'm talking about women were right there next to them with babies in their hand. Baby carriages, kids with balloons. And you know, folks, I've never been in one of those places. But you know, you don't have to go to a garbage dump to know there's garbage there. And I'm watching these dumb wives. Dumb, D-U-M-E, B. <laughs> Doom. <laughs> Hey, I went to PSJA, man. Bad school, okay? 
dumb wives. But you know something? If you think that looking doesn't affect you, Jesus says, you've heard it said of those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Second reason we deceive ourselves is we think there's nothing wrong with a little flirting. Whether this is the man trying to show off or dressing younger or throwing out compliments or this is the woman who's looking for flattery. Listen to me. Flirting is not innocent and you best be careful about the vibes you give off to people. Especially on the job. Listen, ladies, don't be letting these guys, man, come and hug you at work. Stroke your hair. How you doing today? Get your hands off me, man. What's the matter with you? Hi. How are you? How are you? Don't kiss me. I, we all do it here. Well, I don't. Oh, what's the matter with you? Are you a nun? No, I'm married. I have a husband. I have a wife. I always freak out, man, with these people at work. Always touching each other. Playing with each other's hair. Guys, well, you know, kissing these girls. You know, girls that are, that are always touching these guys. It's flirtation. I was reading an, an article of Newsweek called The New Infidelity. It says wives are cheating too. Veronica fell in love with a man who gave her everything that her husband didn't. Compliments, jewelry, flowers, and love notes. It was the flowers that did it for her. Where do, men, where do women find affairs? Nearly 60% of them find them at work. Jody's a 34-year-old with two kids. Started her affair with a co-worker, innocently enough. We would go out to lunch. Bad move. And gradually it started feeling like we were dating. You don't say. How oh, we're just doing lunch together. It just felt like we were dating. Because that's what it was. That's what it was. At Christmas, Jody asked her husband of 10 years to join her at the office party. He declined, and so the coworker stepped in. Marisol can't remember the last time her husband paid her a compliment. That's why this 39-year-old looks forward to meeting her boyfriend of five years during lunch breaks and after work. He tells me my skin is soft and that my hair smells good. I know it sounds stupid, but that stuff really matters. Listen to this. This is the confession of a personal trainer at a gym. He says, in the 30 years of, of the training business, I've probably had affairs with more than 40 women. Most of them were in their 30s, married 8 to 10 years with kids, and their husbands weren't paying attention to them. They felt neglected. They don't feel attractive. Their husbands become preoccupied with work. Remember that training is very hands-on. I'm touching them, motivating them, encouraging them, listening to them, relieving their stress and channeling their energy in a more positive way. Just as their husbands used to do at the beginning of their marriage, I'm trained to get inside their heads and push that button that motivates them. But I'm also in their heads in other ways. They connect with me emotionally, and it's because I'm a very good listener. The other reason we commit adultery is because we think, well, I'm just trying to be there for them. 
I'm just trying to be there for them, you know. Her husband left her, and I'm just trying to be, you know, a good bro. You, let me help you out here. You know, as Christians, we're to help another brother or sister that has fallen, that is struggling. That is true. I want to tell you something, man. In our fellowship, one of the things that we constantly preach is brother helps brother, sister helps sister. And brother, you got no business counseling another sister who ain't your wife. Oh, but he's just like my brother. He ain't your brother. Well, we, we, we're just like family. We're not. You know, as a pastor, we're called upon, as pastors, we're called upon to counsel. One thing we were taught from early discipleship days is you never counsel women alone. You know, I appreciate that about my pastor. My pastor has never been in a compromising position. He will not put himself in that because he knows people are watching. Let me freak you out. This woman writes, I have a terrible problem. I had an affair with my pastor. I'll call him Pastor Jones. It began one night. It began as a one-night stand but lasted for more than a year. Pastor Jones is married with six children. I'm also married and the mother of two. Unfortunately, I've fallen deeply in love with him. We don't know what's wrong. We, we, we both know it's wrong. We have prayed together many times asking God to forgive us <laughs> for our sexual relationship and for breaking the seventh commandment. Oh, good Lord, can't break the seventh commandment. Never mind your kids and your spouse. But no matter how hard we fought the temptation, somehow we always ended up between the sheets. It became too painful for me, too painful for me to attend church on Sundays knowing that I had carnal sex on Saturday night with the man speaking from the pulpit. I also had uncomfortable, I was also uncomfortable watching other church members tie 10% of their hard-earned money, unaware that Pastor Jones was pocketing a sizable percentage to finance uh, our lavish li lifestyle. I had finally stopped attending church. I don't believe in playing with God, and I, I so badly want to do what's right. However, Pastor Jones still comes around my workplace to quote-unquote visit and I continue to have a weakness for him. He's smart, funny, and very handsome. My temptation is stronger than ever. Every minute of every day, I remind myself that I love my husband and our children. Please advise me how to fight this powerful urge that will surely give me a first-class ticket to hell. If you're ever a pastor, don't ever, ever counsel a woman alone. The other deception is that we think, well, they should trust me. Hey, man, if you love me, you should trust me. That gives you no right to be eating lunch with somebody who's not your spouse. Amen. Praise God, Pastor. Keep preaching. I'm freaking some of you out, man, because you do this. And your wife and your spouse has already talked to you about it, that they already feel uncomfortable about it. But you keep blowing it off and you keep telling them, you just don't trust me. You just don't trust me. Would you? If the tables were turned? See, I'm talking about something, beloved, that trust is something powerful. You don't want to lose that. Because I want to tell you something. There's always the discovery of adultery. Verse 26 tells us, for by means of a harlot, 
A man is reduced to a crust of bread and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Verse 33 says, Wounds and dishonor he will get and his reproach will not be wiped away. You see, the act of adultery is foul in itself. But there's nothing more horrible than when the adulterer is discovered and mark it down. Listen to me carefully, mark it down. You will be discovered. You may have had this ongoing thing for years you may think you're better than everybody else keeping it secret keeping under wraps but the bible says in numbers 32 23 be sure your sin will find you out pastor mitchell would tell every disciple right in front of your bible write the words in front of your bible they will tell they will tell as a warning to every man don't ever think that you can have a extramarital affair or an immoral affair with a woman and she will not talk. How many of you know marriage is a covenant? Talking about that in our covenants and blessings Sunday school. You ought to come to Sunday school. We're talking here, when we talk about covenant, we're talking about two people, beloved, becoming one in flesh and one in spirit. Listen to me very carefully for what I'm about to say here in the next couple of minutes. Marriage is a spiritual thing. When you marry somebody and you consummate that marriage with somebody, you literally become one, literally, in spirit. And I want to tell you, beloved, that it is possible for a husband or a wife to have a sense come on them about their spouse. Something's not right here. I haven't seen anything. I don't, I don't think any. but something's not right here. You know what the Bible calls this? The Bible calls this the spirit of jealousy. And it's found in Numbers chapter 5. Powerful, man. Let me freak you out. The Bible says that God says, if any woman goes out and commits adultery on her husband... And the husband has the spirit of jealousy come upon him. And he suspects that his wife has been cheating on him. He can go to the priest and say, listen, I think my wife has been cheating on me. And that high priest will bring the wife to the tabernacle, to the church. And he will get holy water. And he'll get dust from the tabernacle floor. He'll put the dust in that holy water mix it up, bring it to the wife, and he says, drink this. If you have not been unfaithful to your husband, and if you've not been out sleeping around, nothing will happen to you. But if you have been sleeping around on your husband, this water that you drink will become a curse in your body, and your thighs will rot, and your belly will swell. Man, they ought to bring that back. That would solve a lot of problems, man. Who needs cheaters? Who needs private investigators? Hey, hey, pastor, get the water ready, man. We got to talk. Can you imagine? Here's this woman... 
And this thing has the power, beloved, to bring such a curse upon her life? And where did it stem from? Because her husband said, she's doing something. Now I know that there are people in marriages that you have, a, you have an insecurity problem. Okay, your, your husband can't even be in ministry. Who are you with? Who are you talking to? I know that there's people that have a jealousy problem. But listen to me. If you're not guilty of flirting or adultery, then it shouldn't bother you if your spouse wants to call you out of the blue. It shouldn't bother you if your spouse wants to come by your workplace. What are you doing here? I just wanted to come by and see you. Why? Why not? They should be, you had to be able to walk in. Hey, honey, hey, how you doing? It shouldn't freak you out, man. Let's think about the destruction after the discovery of adultery. See, this is the part they never show you on TV. This is the part they never show you in movies, the hell you have to deal with after you're caught. Verse 33 says, wounds and dishonor he will get, and his reproach will not be wiped away. The NIV says, blows and disgrace are his lot, and his shame will never be wiped away. The Amplified Bible says, a degrading beating he will get, and his disgrace will never be forgotten. I remember years ago, my wife will remember this, we were coming back, from, I think it was from a conference, I'm not sure, but we landed here in San Antonio. We, we were actually pioneering in Westlaco. And so we, we came through San Antonio. You remember that, right? And we're walking, me and my wife, you know, hand in hand. And, and here comes this guy, you know, he's got his coat, he's got his briefcase. Uh, and the next thing you know, man, this chick comes out of the corner. This chick comes out of the corner, baby carriage in her hand, a little kid in her arms. And she's, bah, 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 she, and she's going at him. And you just hear the guy go, baby, 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 calm down, baby. And he backs up in the corner and she's kicking him now, trying to run him over with the thing. Man. And, and, I'm, and, and, I'm, and we're looking at this and we're like, didn't take long to figure out what was going on she had busted her husband let me tell you something man i know a woman who took a hammer to her husband's cadillac sweet little woman man when she was she was in church praise the lord hallelujah no man but that night I mean, she took the hammer. You want to see a woman's wrath? You want to see a woman turn into a tiger? Man, let her find out. Let her find out. Man, you've been playing golf somewhere else. Now, she'll go off on you. And that's why the Bible says, beloved, that jealousy is a husband's fury. Though he will not spare the day of vengeance, therefore he will not spare the day of vengeance, he will accept no recompense, nor will he be appeased, though you give him many gifts. And you know the ones who really pay the ultimate price for the adultery? The kids. 
They pay the price. Yes, the cheated spouse pays a price, the heartbreak, the wounds, the, the violation, but the kids, man, their whole world, beloved, gets turned upside down with no real explanation. Newsweek again says, therapists say that kids don't care whether it's mom or dad who fools around. All they care about is knowing that they're safe and that their lives remain stable. You know what? Your kids have enough problems as it is, man. Don't curse your kids by your adultery. Bless them. Bless your kids by showing them your mom and dad are different. Your mom and dad will always be together, mijo. Mommy will always love daddy. Daddy will always love mommy. Don't, don't turn their world upside down. Don't freak them out. That's why I can say this right now. Let me give an advice to some married couples here. One of the greatest threats to a marriage is a child-centered marriage. Let me say that again. One of the greatest threats to a marriage is a child-centered marriage. And let me tell you what I mean. Is when you make your kids everything instead of taking care of your marriage. Don't do that. It's got nothing to do with, you trying to tell me not to love my kid? Absolutely not. You trying to tell me that I shouldn't be, be careful of the welfare of my kids? Absolutely not. You should. But you are fooling yourself into thinking, I can blow off my husband, I can blow off my wife, as long as we're doing it for the kids. Because I'm going to tell you something. One day those kids are going to leave. They're going to be married. And if all you've had that marriage for is for those kids, you will have no marriage after they're gone. That's why I believe that a good, healthy marriage, you ought to go out on a date. I said you ought to go out on a date. I preach this at conference. It's one thing that I see pastors failing in. They pay no attention to their wives. They pay no attention to their husbands. Oh, they're involved in ministry. They're doing everything in the ministry right, but they're not taking any time for themselves. And I'm not talking about this vacation. I'm talking about one night a week. And some of you need to go drop off your kids with grandma. Grandma, you wanted grandkids? Here you go. I'll leave them with you. All right? You and grandpa, you take them. Go have ice cream. Mira, here, I'll even give you a couple of bucks here. Go buy them a couple of Happy Meals. I'm taking me and my wife out for steak. And I'm not talking McDonald's. I'm taking my wife out. I'm going to romanticize her. I'm going to buy her some flowers. I'm going to take her to go buy herself a dress. Glory to God. I'm going to bless her. I'm going to treat her like my queen because that's exactly what she is. I'm going to treat her like my best friend because that's exactly what she is. I'm going to treat her like my wife. Ladies, when your husband buys you flowers... What the heck did you go wasting money on stupid flowers for? Why did you do that? Don't buy me balloons. He, I can't buy. How much did that cost you? Oh, sister, what are you doing? Why, 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 why? He's trying. 
He's trying. Okay, I know maybe, you know what? Okay, he bought Mickey Mouse balloons. Why did he buy Mickey? I don't know why. But he's trying. He gets you, you know, if your husband treats you nice, wife, don't go to your husband. ¿Qué quieres? What do you want? Why are you so nice to me? Just want to be nice. Nah. You want something. Uh-uh. Sister, he's trying. Glory to God. Well, I better close quickly. <laughs> I want to talk to you about having a mind made up against adultery. You know, I thought about this sermon. I, was, I, I came up with a question is, can we ensure ourselves against the sin of adultery? In other words, is, it, is there a way that we can know for sure, for sure, that I will not commit the sin of adultery? Picked up this article on Friday. For a Colombian farmer, Luis Alfonso Sanchez, it seemed the logical thing to do. The 40-year-old decided to castrate himself to avoid cheating on his wife, who refused to have sex with him for over a year. Mr. Sanchez had performed the act on many of his animals in the past and believed the procedure would be just as easy for him, saying, I've castrated pigs, cats, dogs, and three days later, they were all fine. I thought that that's what I was going to have to be like with me. When I saw that I could no longer count on my wife um, so that I wouldn't keep bothering her, I decided that it was time to make a decision, and I decided to castrate myself. I'm a Christian, and I did not want to go look for another partner. You know, there's got to be another way. Right? I'm a Christian, <laughs> and I did not want to look for another partner. Dude, there's got to be a better way than that. I hope there's a better way than that. There is. There is. The Bible says, beloved, in Proverbs 5, 7 through 8, Therefore hear me now, my children, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from the harlot, and do not go near the door of her house. You make up your mind right now. Baby, I will never, never, commit adultery on you because you love me because I fear God <laughs> amen that will keep you for many days because I don't want to go to hell man because I don't want to lose my soul and yes because I love you I made a decision beloved 17 years ago when I married my wife that I by the grace of God, if God, if Jesus will tarry, I'm going to make that 50-year anniversary. You ever open up the paper and you see these newlyweds? Well, it's usually the bride. <laughs> and, you know, we look at that and go, oh, look at the bride. She's so pretty. You know, I don't get through with those. I love looking at the ones at the bottom. I love looking at those little viejitos, man. And there's the husband holding his wife. 60-year anniversary, 50-year anniversary. Man, I, I, that's what I want. That's what I want to be able to look at my wife, man, 
you know, all these years down the road and say, baby, can I gum you? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then her looking at me saying, okay. <laughs> because man, to be able to make it to the end with one man, one woman, dale gas, vato. Come on, somebody. One man, one woman, all the way. I close right here. There's forgiveness with Jesus Christ if you've committed adultery. There's forgiveness. Listen to me. I don't want to stop without saying this. There's a woman in the Bible caught in the very act. And these religious people are ready to stone this woman to death. And you all know the story, but I want to take you to the very end where Jesus says to her, woman, where are your accusers? And she says, they're all gone, Lord. There's nobody here. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. See, he didn't tell her, go sin some more. He said, go and sin no Stop. And you know what? That woman left that life. You can leave your adultery today. You can leave it at the cross. And Jesus will forgive you. And you can leave this church this morning clean like you've never sinned before. I want you to bow your heads. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. See, the truth about adultery is that it, it's an ugly, ugly sin. And it will fly in the face of our generation, beloved. Because largely this generation is given over to immorality. Common law, people that are living that are not even married, going out and finding sexual partners every weekend. The truth is, is that here's a man, Tiger Woods, married himself a model, has two beautiful children, is making money in the billions. His name is a household name, but that's not enough. That's not enough. He has to go and find and live a secret life that's now not so secret anymore. You know why, friend? Because man or woman without God in their life will never be satisfied. You'll never be satisfied without Jesus Christ living in your heart. He is the ultimate. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, today's the day, friend, to turn away from your sin and come to Christ. And before we do anything else right now, I want, as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, you're here, you're not right with God. There's forgiveness in Christ if you'll say yes to the Lord. If you'll say yes to Jesus. I'm not asking you to join church. I'm not asking you to change anything about yourself. I'm asking you to just simply admit you're a sinner and without Christ you're lost and to admit your need for Him. He'll set you free right here, right now if you'll open your heart. Say, Pastor Gabriel, that's me. I want to give Jesus Christ my life. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if that's you, 
Do me a favor and just raise your hand right now. Is there anybody here with an uplifted hand? With an uplifted hand. Raise your hand if that's you. I see that hand back there. God bless you. Who else would raise their hand? Pastor, I want to pray. Pastor, I need to get right with God. I'm lost. I am a sinner and I need God in my heart. I'm empty. Lift your hand if that's you. Pastor, I need to pray. Pastor, I need God in my life. Maybe you're a backslider. Maybe at one time you used to be saved. You used to go to church. Somewhere along the way, man, something went wrong and today you're far from God. But I'm here to give you good news. The Bible says God is married to the backslider. He loves you, friend. And he wants you to come back to him. If you'd say, Pastor, that's me. I'm a backslider. I need God in my life. Raise your hand if that's you. I'm a backslider, Pastor. I'm not saved. I want to pray to get right with God. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if that's you. Anybody, join this one honest heart. God bless you, sir. God sees that hand. Join these two honest hearts right now. Pastor, I want to pray. I need God in my life. Anybody else? I'm not trying to embarrass you. Believe me. I'm not going to put you up to a microphone. We just want to pray with you. God is moving in your life right now. God is touching you. I need to get right with God. Raise your hand quickly. Sir, you lifted your hand. Would you look up at me? If you lifted your hand, look up at me, sir. Hallelujah. I want to pray with you. Glory to God. Armando, could you speak with him? Hallelujah. There was somebody back here on the side that raised their hand in front of you, brother. Uh, two rows above you, brother Jim. Glory to God. She raised her hand. I want to pray with you. I want to encourage you, Christian, to make your marriage count for God. I'm not trying to open up old wounds or, or do anything like that. I'm just here to tell you that you don't want to commit this sin. It will humiliate you. It will rip your family apart. And only Jesus can repair that. Only Jesus Christ can heal that. But you know what? It's a path you don't ever have to take if you make up your mind. I make up my mind right now. I will not ever commit adultery on my wife. I will never commit adultery on my husband. Seal that. Seal that with each other. Cultivate it in your dating relationship within your marriage. If you're flirting on the job, you need to repent. If you're, if you're throwing out vibes, you need to say, God, I repent of that. I want to be clean in my household. I want our marriage to make it to the end. Let's all stand together, beloved. I want to open these altars right now. I know this is a very sensitive subject, but it's one that's got to be dealt with in this day and this hour. And I want to challenge couples that you come, husband and wife, hand in hand down to this altar, that you renew that covenant, renew that commitment. You're bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Till death do us part. We're going to sing that song in worship. Let's raise our hands together as we all stand together while these are at the altar. Sing a song of worship right now. Holiness is what I long for. Holiness 
what I need And holiness And holiness Is what you want from me Sing it out Righteousness 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 is what I long for. Yes, righteousness is what I need. Yes, Lord, righteousness, righteousness is what you want from me. Oh, yes, take my heart. Take my heart and form it. Oh, yes. Take my mind, transform it. Oh, yes, Lord. Take my will, conform it to What I Faithfulness is what I need. Faithfulness is what I need. Ah, oh, yes, hallelujah. Faithfulness, faithfulness is what you want from me. Oh, raise your hands, sing it out, take my heart, take my mind, take my will. Take my heart and form it. Yes, Lord. Take my mind. Yes. Transform it. Take my will. Take my will. Let's give him praise. Let's give honor and glory. Hallelujah. Oh. 